0: Welcome to the Social Impact Pulse, a podcast where we aim to cultivate intimate conversations with entrepreneurs working at the intersection of the sustainable livelihoods and lifestyle sectors. Each episode is a no filter conversation with entrepreneurs where we dig deep into the values they hold dear and how that molds and shapes the social impact they strive for through their organizations. In this episode, we are joined by Aditya Agrawal, founder of Pital, a sustainable brand that supports the dying, Hammered brass and copper sheets crafts that is made into traditional utensils. This art form is currently the only craft from India listed as in the UNESCO craft form. We'll hear about how the brand got started, the impact the brand has had on the craftsmen themselves, and the aspirations for the brand and how they would like to be remembered. On with the show.
1: Hello, everyone. Uh, I am Aditya Agrawal. I am currently the co-partner and CEO at CETAL, which is an organization wherein we try to revive India's only UNESCO-listed craft form of the artisans from Amritsar who make brass and copper products. I currently look after the growth and brand building of the entire organization and have a wonderful team of 15 to 20 members who helped me in reviving the legacy of these artisans that we work with. And at Petal, we basically stand for reviving the lost legacy of these artisans who make brass and copper products and sort of cultivate new designs which are suited to the contemporary market that can help them revive their legacy and at the same time help them earn their living as well.
0: Aditya, could you tell us more about how Pital got started? So Petal as a brand which
1: a lot of people can see today uh, in the internet or in the market was something which started as a college project. It had humble beginnings in the lanes of Jandiala Guru Amit Sar where a group of students from our college, Freeram College of Commerce, we went and tried to identify the problems of these artisans. And we came to know about the fact that this was the only craft from India to be listed on UNESCO's list of intangible cultural heritage, but it was on the verge of extinction if intervention was not done. There were 500 families who were earlier practicing this craft form, and it was reduced to a mere 30 families then. So that was the point we came to know about this community and we wanted to understand the kind of problems they were facing. And when we got to know that, you know, they were being paid as low as 50 cents for an hour, hour of work, that was a triggering factor for all of us. Because, you know, a lot of the people engaged in the craft industry or the artisans, they work quite hard and the kind of talent that they have is very special. And even though being paid such Niagara wages for such kind of work was a triggering factor for us. And that's when in 2018, we set out on a journey to make sure that we sort of try to revive the craft of these artisans. We do not just work as mediators between them and the market but more so work as a catalyst for the development of the entire craft holistically, and that's when you know people started as a college project and over the years venturing into different problems understanding what sort of interventions can be done and scaling the impact to multiple clusters and not just one made us develop into a full-fledged sustainable brand that can stand on its own and stand for the uh, livelihood and craft of these artisans.
0: If you had to describe Pital in a sentence, what would you say? What do you stand for as a brand? So if I had to
1: describe Pital in one sentence, I would say that Pital is all about transforming traditions into trends while transforming the artisans from laborers to entrepreneurs. Because at Pital, we have multiple objectives in our entire mission. We are sort of trying to revive the age-old traditions of making these utensils of brass and copper, as well as usage of these utensils. And we're trying to make it a trend again by highlighting the health benefits, by highlighting how useful these utensils are, and also not to to mention the fact that uh, these utensils also look artistically and aesthetically very beautiful. And at the same time, it's also about not just keeping these artisans as laborers, but transforming them into proud entrepreneurs who can come out of their shelves and, you know, sort of market their own products. So, you know, since the very first day when people started, our initiative was not to just sort of, you know, help these artisans uh, by giving them orders or providing them demand, but it was to engage these artisans as well, to empower them so that, you know, even if people is not there in the future, then they can themselves become well-equipped to lead, lead the growth initiatives for their own craft. So it's much more about the holistic development of the craft and not just focusing on treating these artisans as another entity, but making them part of Pital itself.
0: And so I know that Pital is still in the early stages as a brand, but I was curious if you're beginning to see evidence of that impact in terms of artisan producers being able to make that switch, if you will, from artisans to entrepreneurs.
1: Yes, definitely. In fact, you know, I consider these artisans as one of my favorite entrepreneurs overall, because they have taught us a lot of things. Like if I had to talk about some examples of this, then, uh, you know, last year during the festive season, one of these artisans, they themselves came forward and developed designs of DRs and light, candles, which they thought could be very relevant for the festive season. And they sent us those products, you know, way in advance of two months before the festive season actually started. You know, that made us realize that, you know, even the artisans are not just thinking of themselves as some employees or laborers of the organization, but they are taking that ownership and initiative to think about the growth of the entire craft. And that's when we realized that, you know, these artisans can be involved at a greater level and should be involved. And the steps that we are taking are sort of driving that positive sentiment around the artisans to become entrepreneurs and think from a growth point of view. So they sent us these designs and they did really well in the market as well. Secondly, there was also an instance... In the nascent stages of our entire initiative, when uh, one of our artisans suggested a method in the cost-cutting of the entire business model. So, you know, when we make these particular products from a sheet of brass, there's always some wastage that gets left over after the products are made. What these artisans came up with was the fact that they started using that leftover brass sheet and they started making small products with that small products like brass bowls, brass spoons, you know, which could be put again to use and could be sold again as another product. So if we look at how these artisans have been evolving, it shows us that, you know, they have a good knack in terms of marketing the products. They have a good sense of design. They have a good sense of what the market demands and they have a good sense of ensuring that cost cutting is done to the maximum extent possible. And that's how, you know, we have noticed, even though the artisans are a bit traditional, they are uh, a bit old overall, but they still have that entrepreneurial spirit if they are engaged to that extent and if they are made a part of the ownership of the organization overall.
0: That's great. Those are some really great examples. So Ditya, how do you cultivate impact both as an individual and as a brand? So
1: personally speaking, if you would have asked me three years, four years back, I had never imagined to do something like this as a full-time career for myself. And uh, I would say the need and the importance of social entrepreneurship came into me when I get, got into college and when I was able to see the different problems existing in different sectors through the eyes of an active, our social entrepreneurship society in the college. And when I could see the kind of problems that the artisans were facing in this particular uh, project and could understand that how much of an impact we as other stakeholders can make. So, you know, we could always see the fact that we are sort of the connecting agents between the two Cs of the entire spectrum, between the communities and the corporates. We have to act as a channel between them and we can sort of try to impact the communities with the help of these corporates. So, you know, for personally, for me, I have always believed that, you know, we should try to make a positive impact in any way possible. It can be, you know, socially, environmentally, and any business that exists even today, they should always have a strong focus on the social impact that they're doing, because it's much more about the economic impact that you're generating. It's a lot more about the other impact that you're making, because that is going to define your long-term sustenance in the modern market. If, let's say, if I take the example of Peter itself, if from the first day itself, we were just focused on making profits and not taking care of these artisans, then our organization would have survived for just the next 2-3 years. And it would have been a very short-term vision for the overall brand. But because of the fact that we were focusing more on the holistic development of the entire community, that made us ensure that not only our organization survives. But the craft of these artisans and the legacy of these artisans also survive. So for me, at the end of the day, what matters a lot is the fact that there is hope, that there's uh, a lot of positivity, and there's a lot of opportunities for people to do and solve the problems that are existing at the grassroots level, grassroots level. And that is something very important for me as an individual, that you do not just see the problems that are there, but you see them as opportunities as to how you can Try to at least solve those problems at a very marginal level. A lot of people think about, you know, when they're starting any organization or any initiative, they think that uh, they should be able to impact millions of people or thousands of people. But it's not about that. It's more about how you are able to help an individual. Let's say who's earning $1 a day. How can you help him even to increase his income by, let's say, just 5% on a daily basis? or on a monthly basis. That should be the immediate goal that any individual has. And the rest of the things can take care of itself as and when you're involved in this. So in my opinion, Petal helps me as an individual to make that impact in the lives of these artisans and making sure that these artisans are able to not just survive, but thrive in the market as well through their rich craft and
0: their rich legacy. What are three moments when being the founder of Petal made you proud?
1: Uh, I would say there have been a lot of moments uh, in that term, but uh, one of the most important moments that I still remember is the point when COVID struck us and, you know, uh, it was gloom all around the world and people had no idea as to what the future would hold for us. And at that point of time, we were very worried about how these artisans could be able to survive because uh, their work was shut we were totally dependent on physical demand spaces like exhibitions retail outlets etc and when the low, uh, covid hit everything was shut down so we were very worried for these artisans because they were the one of the worst hit sectors was the handicraft sector during the pandemic but then we wanted to make sure that we are able to do whatever we can Just to make sure that these artisans are able to get their working expenses. They are able to, uh, you know, even if they're not able to get that many orders, they're at least able to get that amount of money through which they can make sure that they're sustaining. And I would say COVID was sort of a blessing in disguise for us with the fact that it helped us to reach out to a lot more artisans. And it allowed us to help a lot more artisans who were in need during those times. Because earlier, a lot of these artisans were within their own shelves. A lot of them could not come out and they were not ready to work with us because they were not sure how it would pan out, whether we'll be able to help them on a scale as well with regular orders or not. But with COVID around and with the community seeing how we were impacting these artisans and we're giving them, still giving them work with COVID being there and all the other alternate demand sources being shut, that's when a lot of artisans came out of their shells and they trusted in us. They had a faith in us and they were ready to work with us. So that was a feeling. And you know, that was a moment when I knew that even though I was not physically stepping out of my house to help someone, but I was still there and I was using my intellectual abilities or any other abilities that were there when the and we at people were using our collective team efforts we're doing whatever we can in our capacity to help these artisans and that was a sense of you know accomplishment satisfaction and something that made us realize that you know we are able to help our artisans during the time when they need us the most so that was certainly one of the moments i would say Another moment definitely came when uh, we were able to, we were not bogged down by the lockdown, but in fact, we were able to transform ourselves completely during the lockdown uh, by shifting our entire mechanism to an online method, by building a strong digital presence, by reaching out to a lot of people through online methods. So, let's say, for example, earlier we thought that the only way to reach the global audience was through holding exhibitions in. countries outside India and meeting a lot of people in holding meetings with them, etc. But COVID gave us a perspective that how the power of social media and the power of e-commerce can be harnessed well enough to reach out to global audience at a minimum cost. And, you know, overall, that was the time when we came to realize that before COVID, whatever amount of sales we were doing for these artisans in a month, that amount of sales we were able to achieve in a single day. So that was another moment of pride, which, you know, sort of made us realize that we are actually making an impact in the lives of these artisans. And we are not just there for, you know, having our presence or for namesake, but we are there to actually impact the lives of these artisans and to sort of make sure that with our help, the voices of these 30 artisans or 40 artisans who were earlier being limited to their own spaces is now going across to more than thousands of people. So that was a feeling of, uh, you know, satisfaction and accomplishment during that time. And uh, nonetheless, the last one would definitely be the fact when we transformed this entire initiative from a college project to a full-fledged working brand. That was one of the most important moments. That was a very difficult time, but at the same time, it was, Something of a hard decision that had to be taken in order to make sure that, you know, we are able to scale our impact and we are actually able to not just keep it limited to a limited 10 year college project of a two year, three year college project, but make sure that it is there for artisans. It is there to impact real people on ground on a long term continued basis.
0: Those are some really wonderful moments you have shared, particularly during such a difficult time for everyone in retail. So, on the flip side of that, what is it that keeps you up at night?
1: So, you know, uh, as a and as an individual and as a team, which is working in the social entrepreneurship sector, what really happens is that there's a diverse group of challenges that we face on a daily basis in terms of not just the demand that we are facing uh, or we are getting for our uh, artisan but also a lot of challenges that we face from the supply side as well in terms of making sure that you know the products that we are making are of top-notch quality because a common problem for all the people who are working in the handicraft sector is the fact that it's to convince people out there that there are always imperfections in handcrafted products. And those are the hallmarks of beauty of it. A lot of times people, you know, come to us and they're like that. They're not sure why there are uh, welding marks or why there are scratch marks, why there's a line of joint on the product. And, you know, it becomes sort of challenging to make them understand and make them relate with these handcrafted products and make them understand that this is the reason why they're handcrafted and they're not machine-made because someone has actually put in personal effort into the entire thing and into the, making sure that the product that they receive has a personal touch and a love and efforts have gone into it. So making sure that you know people other than your organization or people outside your organization or the target audience that you're catering to aligns with your vision and understands what you're doing is definitely one of the persistent and perpetual struggles that we face. And uh, apart from that, I would say, you know, one of the challenges that always remains in front of us is just to see what is the new thing that we can do on a daily basis. Something that, you know, keeps us all at night is that what is that new thing that we're going to do the next day that makes sure that whatever we are doing, the scale of impact gets amplified. And, you know, I would say it's a good fear to have, but at the same time, you know, it is something that, is that remains a challenge considering that whatever spaces we are working in, whatever communities that we are working in, they have certain obligations. They have certain limitations or capabilities beyond which you can expand. But yeah, I would say definitely the feeling that you're responsible for more than 40, 50 families out there, the fact that you're you're not just helping 40, 50 artisans, but you're taking care of their families as well because you're providing them a livelihood is something That gives you a sense of accomplishment and satisfaction, but at the same time, it gives you a sort of fear that if you are not able to perform to the full potential, then all of it might crumble down. All of it might fall down, and you might shatter the hopes of so many people out there. So, yeah, definitely those would be, you know, some sort of things that are constant fears and struggles.
0: So, Titi, if you had to write an obituary for Peter... What would you say? How would you like the brand to be remembered?
1: I guess I want people to be remembered as an organization that not just, you know, works at helping these artisans to earn their daily living, but more so works at transforming the entire craft and not just focusing on reviving livelihoods, but reviving the entire craft community on a holistic level. So if I had to talk about it in the fact that one of our initial goals was to just to make sure that if we had to make sure that the craft is sustained and is sustainable in the long run, then the younger generation needs to come up and take this particular craft from ahead. And because of a lot of problems and you know how the conditions of some of the craft communities are, even the artisans who are practicing themselves, they don't want their children to come into that community. They don't want their children to do the same thing or suffer under the same problems that they are suffering. And considering the kind of community we were working with, the average age in the community was around 55 to 60 years. So we always had this in the back of the mind that one of our central goals is always to make sure that if we want the craft to survive, the younger generation definitely has to come in. Otherwise, there will be no one else to carry forward the legacy of these artisans. And we don't want this craft to get lost or forgotten just because the people who are doing it are not surviving or are not alive. So I would say that you know our goal always has to be has been to make sure that the future generation comes into this. And I would say that fortunately, over the last couple of years, because of our intervention, we have seen a lot of children of these artisans slowly coming into this, and even the artisans being prouder of that fact. They no longer don't want their children to not come into this uh, craft, but they take pride in the fact that their children are also coming, and they want them to. You know, carry forward their legacy because they know for a fact that they can trust in people and there's a future in the entire process. So, we just want that at the end of the day, people get remembered as an organization that, you know, worked at not just transforming the lives of few individuals. But in fact, transforming the entire sentiment and transforming the entire community of these artisans, and becoming a force of communication and a force of agent that can help take these artisans on a global platform, which they might not have achieved in the first place.
0: What would you do if you could be unreasonable and there was nothing holding you back? What What's the big dream and vision for Peter?
1: Uh, I would say, you know, there are two things, in fact, which are very, very similar to each other. One of them would definitely be the fact that, you know, they are the, the artisans that we work with, they are called Thatheras. And Thatheras are present all across India in different regions. And they're called by different names in different regions. But the group of artisans that we work with from Punjab, they are known as Thatheras. Uh, and, you know, recently we have started working with four more clusters of these artisans who make brass and copper powder. And every time we meet a new community of uh, artisans, from different regions, we get to know their flavor and a unique thing about them. So one of the things would definitely be the fact that, you know, I had to be unreasonable in terms of not having any constraints. It would be, you know, if we could get a chance to meet all the khateras or help all the khateras from every region of India. Because, you know, each of these artisan communities bring their own flavor. They have their own Touch, special touch that they add to the products that they are making. You know, for example, uh, if you can, if you will ask a, an artisan from Jaipur and an artisan from Punjab to make the same sort of a cooking pot or a kadhai, then even though the products have the same utility, you will find a stark difference in the kind of finishing in the kind of craftsmanship that has been put into that uh, into the same products. I feel that, you know, just like how our signatures are very different, the signatures of every human being differ on a great level. And considering that these are handcrafted products, every single product that are made by different artisans, they add their own flavor. Just like, you know, how the signatures of two people cannot be the same. Even the products made by two of them cannot be the exact replica of each other because these products carry that single impression that every artisan puts in. So, you know, one uh, one of my dreams would definitely be to make sure that we are able to cover all these artisans uh, in different regions of India, whichever region they belong to, to get their style, their style of working, to get to know more about their community, their taste, and what is that unique element that they add to these products. And their different way of practicing this particular craft form. And the second thing would all, would be on the fact that, you know, uh, w- uh, that we are able to reach out to every single individual in different parts of the world to tell our story, to understand what they want, because customer interaction has been, you know, a very integral part of our entire organization since the very beginning. We uh, get to learn a lot from them and there have been a lot of suggestions which have helped us improve majorly on our entire business model. So. If, uh, you know, if there were no other constraints and if you could, you know, get an idea from every single individual in different parts of the uh, entire world uh, on what they feel about these products on what they would want. What is that something new that they would want with brass and copper? That would be something, you know, very interesting and something we would want to know so that, you know, we are able to develop new products. We are able to develop something that no one else has ever even imagined of. That, you know, this could be made in brass or copper.
0: As a final question to wrap up such a great conversation, what advice would you have for entrepreneurs in the social impact space?
1: Right. So, you know, talking from my own personal experience, this one thing that I have always understood is the fact that working in the social impact space, people need to have that ability to take risks and most importantly be patient and persistent with their vision because a lot of times people feel that if they're facing any problems or if there are a lot of problems that they're facing with the community that they're impacting and if it is not working out they lose hope and they sort of start doubting their own vision itself but that shouldn't be the case. Because, you know, from my own personal experience, I've noticed that we have also faced a lot of rejections over the years. We have faced rejections from the community that we are impacting. We have faced rejections from different corporates out there, different strategic partners that we would have wanted to collaborate with. But at the end of the day, all these, we have realized that rejection from something good has always redirected us to something even better. Just because of the fact that we have persisted and we have stayed in the uh, stayed true to our entire vision. Because, like I said, you know, since the very first day, our goal was not to you know imagine that we will be able to increase the income of our artisans by six hundred percent or seven hundred percent. But our aim was just to make sure that if we have ventured into this uh, community and if we have taken this initiative to help them, if they are even earning. Let's say a thousand bucks. Then after our initiative, if we are even able to, you know, get that that thousand bucks to eleven $1, hundred bucks, then we have been successful. That is the metric of success for us. We have taken that first step. Now we need to replicate the same thing across different people. If we have been able to help one individual, if you have been able to help uh, make your impact to one person. What you need to just do is that you need to replicate the same impact across different people. You should not think about impacting thousands or millions of people from the very first year Because you might not be aware of what kind of challenges you might face, how dynamic the world is. Like, for example, who would have thought that there would be a pandemic that would bring everything to a standstill where you would not be able to even meet the community that you're impacting for quite some time. So... You know, what just matters is that one should be patient, persistent and should be very agile with the dynamic business environment that is out there so that people do have a long-term wish but most impact, most importantly have short-term goals that they can use to ultimately reach to their long-term goal and have nothing fixated for a very long term. But focus more on how on an everyday basis you can try to help the community that you're impacting by a very marginal small percentage.
0: Many thanks for listening to this episode of The Social Impact Pulse. We hope you enjoyed it. We'd love to hear your feedback and feel free to rate and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't already, do check out our accompanying animation created especially for this episode. The Social Impact Pulse is a project of the Artisan Gateway and soon to be launched, their stories be told.